Before we roll the audio on this PFT Live podcast, we want you to know that Mike Florio does an afternoon podcast. Why? To catch all the late-breaking news and developing stories in the NFL, of course. So you got to subscribe to PFT PM as well. Go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Art19, or Google Play. Search PFT PM and subscribe. Boom. Done. Thanks for the support. Now, stats for another hour of the PFT Live podcast. Monday edition of Pro Football Talk Live, NBC Sports Radio, heading over to NBCSN in an hour. Chris Sims is back, unless he isn't. We'll see. I'll believe it when I see it. Fortunately, it won't be right next to me, puking on my shoes. I was worried about him last week. He was looking rough on Wednesday, unable to go on Thursday, got home Thursday, still wasn't right. Took him a while to get his energy back. I think he had food poisoning. My wife was very concerned it was some sort of a bug. I touched the remote control Thursday night. It was wiped down with a Clorox wipe and placed in a plastic bag after I did it. She used the remote in a plastic bag until it was clear that I did not have whatever it was that Chris Sims had. So the scouting combine is over. The workouts were moved to the evening. 4 to 7 p.m. No, 4 to 11 p.m. Eastern, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 2 to 7 p.m. on Sunday. And in past years, when the workouts were on during the morning hours, and I was already working anyway, I'd watch them while I worked. And every once in a while, something would catch my eye, something would catch my attention. But it was background noise. I never have, never will focus my attention on something that is not football. It's not football. The XFL truthers out there who think I hate the XFL may be shocked to know I watched all or part of every XFL game this weekend. And after Thursday night, I watched none of the combine workouts. None. Didn't even turn them on. Now, it helps that we converted from DirecTV to YouTube TV up at the house, and it doesn't have NFL Network. But down at the barn, we still have DirecTV, at least for now. I was down there Thursday night, watched a little bit of the quarterback workouts, remembered why it is not appointment TV viewing for me. And didn't watch any more of it. Saturday, Sunday, Friday. That's not really in the right order. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. None, none, and none. Everything I needed to know, the clips are on Twitter all the time. Like, you don't need to watch it. The combine workouts prove just how valuable live games are. Live games are incredibly valuable because you have to watch them. You're compelled to watch them if you're a football fan. I think the NFL may have made a mistake putting these things in prime time. Now, the ratings were up, but the ratings still aren't phenomenal. It's not like they've tripped over must-see TV for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I posted a poll last night on Twitter. And usually the first thousand or two responses create a trend that holds no matter how many people 
end up voting. 23,000 voted. The question was, how much of the live combine coverage did you watch this year in comparison to last year? Very basic, innocuous, open-ended, simple question. And the first option was more. Right? I didn't even try to push it a certain way. More, less, same. More, 11.1%. Less, 65.1%. Same, 23.8%. The less stands out, and they show you the bar. That bar in the middle, I mean, it goes all the way. Two-thirds of the way through, because that's six. Two out of three people who have responded, and so far 23,446 have responded, watched less. And a lot of the people who responded with an actual response, 346 of them said, I watched none before and I watch none now. I just wonder if we all think people care about the combine a lot more than they do. There's a small niche. I love it when it's pronounced that way. Niche. One of my all-time favorite movies, Michael Clayton, introduced me to the pronunciation of niche as niche. Anyway, it's a niche crowd. I mean, the combine's a big deal because of everything that happens that goes around, on around it. But the workouts, I, I just think that, that, that football takes those workouts too seriously. I'm talking about the overall draft industrial complex. They take the workouts way too seriously. The workouts are incidental to why the kids are there. And the NFL has come to the conclusion that they can take this and massage it into a big deal. And I've had this belief that they're eventually going to sell tickets and fill the stadium. Could you fill a stadium? I tend to think you can just because it gives a fan base and it would likely be on a rotating basis unless they just park it in L.A. the way they parked it in Indianapolis but it gives people a chance to reach out and touch the NFL in the offseason. I mean, the night they had 70,000 show up in Philadelphia for the draft, that's what made me realize the NFL has found a market for nothing at all. And at least with the combine, something is happening. Like for the draft, somebody asked me this question on the PFTPM podcast on Friday. Isn't the combine the ultimate reality show about nothing because it's not football at all? But the combine workouts are going to happen whether they're on TV or not. The way they do the draft on TV is completely unnecessary. They don't need to do it. They could do it by text chain. The draft has been turned into a show about nothing because it really is nothing that occurs. The commissioner doesn't need to walk to the podium. That's not a necessary part of the draft. The workouts are a necessary part of the combine. That's... What they do, they put it on TV. Why am I watching? Because it's on TV. And now it's in prime time. And 65%, according to 23,000 plus who have responded, watched less than they did. Now, maybe they've tripped over some new market of people. I, I don't know. I don't know why the ratings were up on Thursday. I haven't seen anything about the ratings the rest of the weekend. But the challenge, as I think we pointed out on Friday, is getting people to watch that instead of college basketball or other real sports like the XFL. I'd rather watch an XFL game, the combine workouts. Look, and 
I mean, again, I'm, I may not be the best person to ask because I, I, I always kind of reluctantly watched it anyway. I felt like I had to. As I said earlier, everything I need to know about it, I see on social media. So we'll talk more about the combine coming up because we'll see if Sims, I mean, Sims was home recuperating from whatever the hell it was that caused him to empty the contents of his stomach into a trash can every 10 minutes from Tuesday night to Wednesday morning and beyond. We'll get his impressions about the winners and the losers of the events that ultimately have nothing to do with football. Chase Young told me last week, and it's funny, his quote made a big splash yesterday. He told us on Thursday, I don't want to take multiple weeks to become a combine athlete. That's irrelevant to what I do. And he's right. And every guy that gets injured, tweaks a hamstring, falls down awkwardly, proves why Chase Young did the right thing. Top prospects should never work out at the combine. The Tom Brady story continues to dominate the NFL landscape, and it will continue to do so, and I think he loves every minute of it. Why else would he be sitting at the front row of a North Carolina-Syracuse basketball game two weeks before he becomes a free agent? When else have we ever seen Tom Brady sitting courtside at a college basketball game in March? Well, he was never going to be a free agent before. Baloney. Anytime hashtag Tommy shows up at anything, the cameras are locked onto him. And it was Tom Brady, Julian Edelman, and Jimmy Fallon. I don't know how in the hell they picked up Jimmy Fallon. Nothing against Jimmy Fallon. I like Jimmy Fallon. Just doesn't seem like the third member of that group. Tom Brady, Julian Edelman, Jimmy Fallon. It just doesn't fit. Now, Jimmy Fallon, Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Kimmel, I get. So anyway, they're at the game, and... The camera's on them, and Julian Edelman starts with the he's coming back, he's coming back stuff. And you could tell that Brady was perturbed. Kind of smiled and shook his head, and there's been a great controversy over what he said in response. Some people believe, many believe, many are saying he said he's not. Some people read the lips to say that Brady was uttering the phrase, this guy. I don't get that one. My take on it, based upon the context and based upon his demeanor and based upon his facial expression and when he said what he said, I think what he said was, let's not. As in, let's not do this, you idiot, with a camera in our face. Let's not. Like, he shakes his head and says, let's not. But, you know, it creates another mystery. It's just like the photo that he posted the week before the Super Bowl when you couldn't tell whether he was coming or going. You look at his legs. They look like they're leaving Gillette Stadium. You look at his upper body. It looks like it's going in or vice versa. I think he likes that part of it. Even if he stays in New England, I think he likes the fact that at age 42, with all the other storylines in the NFL... Tom Brady is the focal point. 
Tom Brady is the guy everybody is talking about and will continue to talk about. Tom Curran had an item last night that tries to break everything down and put everything in context. You've got this presumption that's arisen that Jeff Darlington of ESPN is the oracle and he'll be the one to tell us exactly what Tom Brady's going to do. And when he came out last week and said he'll, he'll be stunned if Tom Brady stays, that that was treated as some definitive word. You know, there's a chance he's just being used by Brady's camp. You realize that, don't you? What's he going to say if Brady stays put? Is he just not going to show up on TV for a few days? And this idea... And I haven't said anything about this yet. But I saw Shefty pushing this idea that the Patriots and Brady didn't meet last week at the Combine. And it would have been the Patriots and Brady's agent, Don Yee, who at some point has become Donald Yee in recent weeks. And I don't know how that happened. It's just all of a sudden Don Yee is Donald Yee. They didn't meet because they don't know how to structure a deal until they know what the new CBA is going to be, which is just a load of crap, all due respect. You can still meet. There's two options. There will be a new CBA under one set of rules, or there won't be a new CBA under the old set of rules. That's too complicated for me how will we ever figure this out there's two options it's idiotic look even if you can't pick which door you're going to go through when you come up with the formula to properly manage the cap hit and structure the deal even if you can't nail that down now you can still have a conversation you can still bring Donald Yee to wherever the Patriots are meeting with the agents for the various players that are either on the team or maybe on the team in the future as part of the tampering which everyone engages and and make Donald Yee believe that the Patriots want to do everything they can to keep Tom Brady. That's easy. You can still talk about gross dollars that the team is willing to pay regardless of the structure. Whether or not there's a new CBA should not have a dramatic impact on how much they're willing to pay. Do you really think it's affecting these other teams? Did it keep these other teams from expressing interest this week, from throwing around general numbers, and we'll figure out the specifics once we know what the CBA is? No, it's 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 stupid. It's stupid. It, and it it offends and insults the intelligence of the audience for someone to actually push that crap. All due respect. We got to take a break. When we return. The Matthew Stafford mystery has been solved, at least for now. I'll tell you what happened between Friday afternoon, Friday evening, and what it all means for the Lions and their franchise quarterback right after this on PFT Live. You mean you stayed here waiting the whole time? What a trooper. We are NBC Sports Radio. 22 minutes after the hour on this Monday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. So it's been a couple of weeks now since the story bubbled up from a local Detroit TV station citing unnamed sources close to Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Lions. The Lions have been engaged in trade talks regarding the veteran quarterback for the past couple of weeks. 
Later in the day, there was a stealth edit of the story to remove sources close to Stafford. It just said sources close to the Lions after that, which was kind of odd and never really explained. And then the next day, after the Lions called the report 100% false and continued to rip it, the station doubled down, pointing to, among other things, the fact that Matthew Stafford's wife, Kelly, had taken to Instagram, responding to trade speculation from one of the thousands of stories that are out there at any given moment about the NFL by basically saying, if they're done with us, let's go to the Chargers. That that in some way legitimized the report. And because that local TV station had interviewed at length Kelly Stafford last year, some were wondering whether or not she was the source and whether or not she wanted the trade and in turn Stafford wanted the trade himself. It all kind of died down after that until Mike Silver of NFL Network said on the air on Friday and then put on Twitter that there are coaches and general managers who are at the scouting combine who believe that the talk originated from the fact that Matthew Stafford wants the trade. Now, there was no reference to anybody who knows it. Just people who are at the combine, coaches and GMs, believe that this all came from the fact that Stafford wants out. And when I saw that, I'm thinking, man, you know, that's the kind of thing that if we dropped that turd into the punch bowl, I'd get killed for that. Killed for that. Because it's nothing. Coaches and GMs believe it. Okay? Do they know it? No, they believe it. Okay, I believe a lot of things that aren't true. Or that can't be proven true one way or the other. I believe it. I don't know if it's true or not, but I believe it. How, for all I know, these coaches and GMs were influenced by the way we tried to read the TV, the TV, the TV, they know who we mean, the tea leaves two weeks ago. So, in the aftermath of that, Kelly Stafford goes back to Instagram the whole thing comes 360 or 180 or whichever whichever number on the protractor is right and says he doesn't want to trade. And his agent Tom Condon told Silver he's not going to be traded and doesn't want to trade. So now it's all been put to rest, I think. Who knows? They still think that the Lions are in play for Tua Tonga-Vailoa, which makes no sense. And by they, I mean Vegas. Vegas seems to know what's going on. There's a lot of chatter about the Lions liking Tua. You know, we need to realize that when we hear that the Washington franchise and the Detroit franchise, I just tried to be parallel there. You know, I won't say the R word, or at least I'll try not to. When those two teams that pick number two and three respectively are linked to Tua Tonga-Vailoa, you realize there's a chance that that's all driven by a desire to get the Dolphins to give up some of their draft capital to trade up and get Tua. You realize that, don't you? So, it'll be interesting to see what happens. If the Bengals take Joe Burrow at number one, as everyone assumes they will, and Burrow made it clear last week that he's not going to refuse to show up, which continues to be very different from, I really want to play for the Bengals. If that happens, and then two is there at number two, what does Washington do? Do they trade the pick? Do they use the pick? Do they chase, take Chase Young? Do they take Tua? If two is there at number three, what do the Lions do? When they're under a mandate in Detroit to win this year from an owner who's in her 90s, 
do you take a quarterback who ideally wouldn't play at all in his rookie year if you're not going to trade Matthew Stafford? It's quite a conundrum. It's going to make the next two months even more interesting. We're focused on free agency because I think it's going to be the strangest, most compelling free agency we've ever seen. But the draft at the top is going to be interesting as well. When we return... Some of the details, some of the highlights of this new CBA, if it goes through. And will it go through? We'll talk about that as well next on BFT Live. <music> 34 minutes after the hour, Pro Football Talk Live. They're trying to get the long-form collective bargaining agreement prepared so that the players can vote on it. There was a memo sent Friday by NFLPA President Eric Winston, whose term ends in eight days when they vote for a new president. I think they want to get it done by then, frankly, in the event that the new president says, whoa, 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 we're not, no, no. Finds a way to derail everything. Although I think at this point, the ball's on the tee for the vote. But they don't want it to get voted down because the new president may then tear everything down and start over again. But Winston points out in the memo to all players that they will have an opportunity to review the full long-form CBA before they vote on it. Who in the hell is going to read that thing? Who? Think about that. Think of all the times where you've had to read and accept something to get access to a website or activate a product or whatever. We don't read that crap. They're not reading this CBA. I had a 10-page detailed summary that was sent to me on Saturday night, and I didn't even want to read that. It was one of those moments where I was like, oh, God, do I really have to do this? It's Saturday night. No one else has this. No one else is working. This is my chance to get ahead of the curve, and it falls into my sweet spot because I know how to interpret these things, and I really don't want to do this. Don't make me do this. Why did this have to show up on Saturday night? So anyway, I did it. And it's, it's a, a very interesting document, and there's all sorts of stuff in there that was never mentioned when we were talking about the big issues. For example, the last line of this 10-page document points out that it would apply, if the CBA is ratified, to the 2020 season, and it would last through the 2030 season. Well, you know, we've been hearing 10-year CBA, 10-year CBA. That's what they did last time around, 10-year CBA. Hey, 20, 30, that's 10. You know how we do that all the time when a guy's been in the NFL for 10 calendar years, but it's actually 11 seasons. 10 seasons would be 2020 through 2029. You tack on 2030, you got 11 seasons. That's a big difference. That's 10% longer. And if I was on the fence, if I'm a player, I'm being straight here. I'm playing this down the middle. I'm not advocating for or against it. I understand the reasons why players would vote for it, and I understand the reason why NFLPA Executive Director D. Smith has decided in the application of his judgment and his wisdom and his experience that the right thing to do is vote. Yes, I understand all that, but I understand why players would vote no. If I'm on the fence, if I'm right on the fence and I really don't know what I'm going to do, 
This is the kind of thing that will cause me to say, screw it, blow it all up. They're lying to us. They said 10 year, 10 year, 10 year. And they tuck in at the very bottom. I'm surprised they didn't bury it in the middle somewhere to make it completely inconspicuous. The other thought is you put it all the way at the bottom, nobody's going to get that far. It's all the way at the bottom. Very last line. Bottom of page 10. Here it is. Term of the deal. 2020 season through 2030 season. To me, that would be very significant if I was on the fence. I'm being honest. I'm being authentic. I'm being transparent. I'm being straightforward. Why? When did 10 become 11? Has it always been 11? Did it become, I mean, what? I want to know. Another thing, and look, I have no sympathy for anyone who drives under the influence of alcohol or any other substance. In this day and age, I remember there was a conversation 10 years ago about the NFLPA having services available. You could call a number on your phone and a car would pick you up if you had too much to drink and the players were concerned that that was somehow going to get back to the league if they used it. Now everybody's walking around with this device. I remember when I was a kid, we all we all marveled about that Dick Tracy wristwatch and you could watch TV on it and make phone calls on it and do all you know, we we've got something better than what we ever could have dreamed. All the stuff we're carrying around in our pocket. You pull up an icon, you press on it, and a car comes and picks you up within five minutes and takes you wherever you want to go. That is awesome. And I don't care how drunk you are. You you better be damn drunk and alone to not be able to get the ride-sharing app up on your phone. Worst comes to worst, you find somebody around you who isn't drunk off their ass and have them call for it on your phone. So... All that said, they're bumping the penalties for DUI from two games to three games. That's pretty significant. Not that that's something that should cause anyone to vote. No, but that's in there. There is increased punishment for PEDs. Now, stimulants, they cut the punishment. Like Adderall. You know, in the offseason, Adderall's not even treated as a PED. In season, it is. Four games down to two games for Adderall. And 10 down to five for a second offense. But for anabolics... For performance enhancers, for non-stimulants, the first offense goes from 4 to 6, and the second offense goes from 10 to 17. Now, look, I don't know that, that that should result in any changes in opinions as to where guys are going to vote, but given the number of guys who somehow are ensnared in the the uh, trap of buying a, stim, uh, a, a supplement down at the local GNC and somehow it gets tainted. You know, we had some fun with that last week. They've never caught a cheater. They only catch guys who innocently purchase a supplement that is tainted. I'd be concerned about this. Another thing that I think is very telling, the fact that the player's share of the revenue can go as high as 48.8%. Currently, it's due to be 48 well, let me let me back up. It's due to be 48. It can rise to 48.5. And the kicker to 48.5 initially was tied to how much money they make from the 17th game. Now it is tied more broadly to revenue gains for the TV deals. And 
the 48% of revenue that goes to the players goes to 48.5% if the league realizes a 60% increase in the TV revenue. Now, on the surface, you'd be like, holy crap, well, they're never going to get to 48.5, not No way. Well, way. I'm told that the league expects, and, and I, t- I mentioned this last week, the league expects at least 75%, at least minimum of 75% increase in the value of the TV deals. And that's not all coming from a 17th game. That's only 16 extra games. The original 256 games are going to see a huge spike in revenue. I'm starting to think that they got some of these deals kind of wink, nod, teed up. The first one that goes is Monday Night Football after the 2021 season. It's hard not to think at this point that they have that basically ready to go. And they just need to get this CBA done before they can finalize it. 60%. Sounds like a lot. I have a feeling they're going to easily get to 60 it can go all the way to 48.8 if they have a 120% increase in TV revenue. Now, that seems inconceivable, but we know what happened to the guy who used that word over and over again. I was on a plane with him this year. Sean Wallace. Everybody thinks, no, wait, it's Wallace Sean. See, everybody thinks it's Sean Wallace. It's Wallace Sean. Nice guy. Got one of the most distinctive voices of all time. Anyway, 120%. Can they get there? This is one of the reasons why they're pushing to get this done. Because there's a belief that the sooner they get to the table with the networks, the sooner they can max out these deals. Somebody pointed out last night when I posted that 48.8% would be the amount if the league gets the 120% bump in TV revenue. And the response was, they'll get 119.9% increase. So those are just some of the highlights of the deal and there are still strong and loud voices opposed to the deal mike pouncey whose twin brother marquise last week had an extremely profane rant while driving around shirtless in his car with his seatbelt on safety first unless the seatbelt was part of the tattoos i don't know marquise pouncey strongly against it mike pouncey strongly against it without the profanity but putting together a strike fund. He and Russell Okung and other veteran players are poning up money to supplement the strike fund that the players have already been squirreling away. NFLPA putting money aside for a strike fund. And look, uh, in concept, that's great. But, but you know, remember when J.J. Watt raised all that money for the hurricane in Houston and then he got all that money? It's like, what the hell do I do with it now? Like, if they raise this massive amount of money, isn't it a full-time job for one or more people to keep track of it? Where did we get it from? Where do we keep it? Who do we give it to? Think about that. How do you decide who gets how much? Does everybody get the same amount? Or is it based upon how much you're making? Is it a percentage of your salary? At what amount, based upon your historical earnings, do you get nothing? Like, does Aaron Rodgers need anything? Does Tom Brady need anything? Does Drew Brees need anything? No, no, no. Well, Brees will be gone by then. No strike until 2021. 
Will it just be like the honor system? Like, you tell me how much you need. Remember, it's a wonderful life when they have the run on the bank and they, they, they scrape together whatever money they can find to hold people over. Like, how much do you need? And the one guy's like, I'll take $620. But how much do you need? I'll take $620. There will be guys who want it all. Human nature will kick in. It'll become Lord of the Flies very, very quickly. So good luck with that. No good deed goes unpunished. I like that they're doing it, but they may be stepping into a mess. And is it taxed? I don't know. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Putting together a fund of millions of dollars and then figuring out how to disperse it and dot every I and cross every T the right way so you don't have somebody come sniffing around saying you broke the law in some way. Have fun with that, guys. I've said all along, the best leverage against a strike, because you know what happens, strike, and they're going to hire replacement players. The best leverage is set up a league that the players can go out there and stage their own games. But here's the thing, logistically impossible. The league's already got the pipeline. All they got to do is get the XFL players and put them in NFL uniforms. That's it. Now, I'd rather see NFL players in non-NFL uniforms than XFL players in NFL uniforms, but good luck putting that together. So, look, hey, we'll see how this goes. They want to get the vote done quickly. They want to strike while the iron's hot. And if the vote is no, the world is going to become very, very interesting. We're going to take a break. The broadcasting world becomes very, very interesting. Tony Romo cashing in. ESPN, SOL when it comes to Monday Night Football. We'll get you up to speed on all of that right after this on PFT Live. Monday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. As you may know, I do the first three segments of the radio hour in my office where I have a, a little magical box that makes it sound like I'm in a radio studio. And then I come up to the TV studio for the last segment. And on most days, I can see the co-host. And today I see Sims. And it looks like he does not have his earpiece in, so he's not going to hear me when I say this. I think he lost 20 pounds last week. He's gaunt. That, that's the thing about getting food poisoning or some sort of a stomach bug. It's one hell of a diet. Like, you suffer through the misery. You come out on the other end, svelte. He, not, not that he was, he was heavy, but man, as my dad would say, you need a steak. All right, Tony Romo can buy a lot of steaks, a whole lot of steaks. There had been a question about, ESPN pursuing Tony Romo when his contract's up. Now, some of the reporting apparently was inaccurate. There had been reports that CBS had a right of first refusal, so if ESPN comes in and makes some huge offer for Tony Romo, CBS can match it. And maybe that's possibly what would have happened as of March when ESPN's opportunity to pursue Romo occurred, but CBS still had an exclusive window before the contract expired, apparently, and before ESPN could make an offer that may or may not have been matchable by CBS. CBS locked up Tony Romo for the staggering amount of $17 million per year. Now, usually what happens is the best details emerge in the early reports because it's Romo's camp that controls that information and they will leak the stuff that makes it look like the best possible deal. It came out the next day, courtesy of ESPN, from Shefty, like, He's getting that information from the people at ESPN who were trying to negotiate this deal and who knew what was going on. They point out it's only a three-year deal. And it unlocks the rest of the contract 
seven more years if CBS keeps the NFL because the initial reaction that so many had on Friday night, and I don't know, maybe this does create a trail of breadcrumbs back to CBS. The fact that they were making this kind of investment in Romo means they're definitely going to keep the NFL. Well, no, if they don't keep the NFL, it's just a three-year deal. And here's the thing too. It may not be $17 million per year for the first three. You get to a $17 million per year average over the course of the full 10, kind of like John Gruden's contract. Remember that? Which seems like not much money now. 10 years, $10 million. $100 million, excuse me. It sounds like $10 million a year. Maybe it's not. Maybe the big money is at the back end, and maybe it's not guaranteed. And it just occurred to me. We compare Romo's contract to what players make. And Romo was making $18 million a year when he was playing for the Cowboys. Now he's only at $17 million, just $1 million behind it. Think about how that compares to coaches. Coaches are working all the time. Coaches have no offseason. Coaches are grinding. Coaches are sleeping in their office. Romo's getting $17 million per year to do a hell of a lot less than that. And if you're a coach who thinks you could be a great analyst, now's the time to get out. You could swap out a life of constant stress and work and worry. And you could make somewhere between $5 million and $17 million a year. Some players were not happy with the Tony Romo contract. Michael Thomas said on Twitter, that's why we shouldn't sign the new CBA. No way the announcer should be making more than 90% of the players. Well, you can say the same thing for the commissioner, and it would be 100% of the players because there isn't anybody making $40 million a year or who knows how much he's making now because the NFL changed its tax structure so it doesn't have to disclose that anymore he could be making 60 million a year we don't know and we never will odell beckham jr posted on twitter i'm done playing football i just want to be an announcer now and it's funny players think the transition to the media is easy a lot of them who try to make it find out how difficult it is you have to be willing to become a fan of the game And for a lot of players, I think, and this is human nature, like when you've performed at a very high level, it's kind of beneath you to be a fan. And do you really want to be rooting on and and analyzing and commenting on and praising and criticizing those who are doing what you used to do, especially if you see the people who are playing and you think none of them are as good as I was? And you know that's the level of confidence slash delusion that a lot of these players have. You have to know the game. You have to study the game. You can't just waltz around with the knowledge that you carry to the game from the time that you played unless you only want to be around for a couple of years. Now ESPN has to decide what it's going to do for Monday Night Football. I think you just offer Peyton Manning $17 million plus one. Maybe $17 million and a half. A little bit more than Tony Romo. And then you get Peyton Manning and solve your problem. Quick break. Two more hours of PFT Live still to come. We'll be back right after this.